Welcome back. I'm Ron Sisko, and this is Focus. You know, today, today I shot my first official USPSA match um, in pistols. I, I, um, I guess to clarify that, that's the United States Practical Shooting Association. The, um, the classifier, the classification that I shot in was uh, carry optics, which meant I had a, a pistol that was designed to have a red dot on top of it. I shot a SIG Sauer P320 X5, and um, and I did I did pretty well. I did um, I wasn't groundbreaking. I wasn't a master champion. I, in fact, I didn't even place in the top half of the competitors. Probably not even the top two thirds. But I did it. This is something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I would say that I've had my eyes on it for. A uh, little less than a decade. On and off. I did shoot at a um, bullseye target a long time ago. More than a decade ago. And it really wasn't my kind of competition. But I did like this. It was, it was different. It was so different. In a bullseye competition, you, you really compete against everyone else. You, you find your competition in, in other people's numbers. And uh, with USPSA, and I imagine the same with IDPA and, uh, and the other practical shooting associations, it, it felt very self-centered. That's not always a great thing, but in terms of finding a way to compete, it's probably the best way to compete. I, um, I won't say that there wasn't a bit of an ego hit. I think in all of us, when we decide that we want to compete with something in something we want to do well we want to we want to suddenly just be amazing and i'm so glad that didn't happen to me it's it's hard when what what do you come back from when you show up and you're amazing it's something that i've always struggled with i think since the beginning since i was a child i think most of us struggle with it because we have this very inappropriate idea of what challenge should be what talent is. We look for somebody who is talented in art. We don't look at talent as a, as a, a skill. It's not something that's cultivated. It's, it's something that you're just born with. And what a terrible idea. Great, great. Some of us have predispositions towards music or art or shooting or driving or math or English or learning other languages but what does that mean without practice it's my question I'll, I'll answer it for you it means nothing talent that isn't cultivated stays a, a predisposition it stays undeveloped it stays useless in the same way that I find myself a, a pretty decent target shooter in the lane I'm not that great on the field and that's not to say that I didn't do well shooting the targets. I shot, um, I shot very well, actually. I, I hit most of the A zones. We call them A zones. That's where you get the most points. I had, uh, I think, 78 A zone hits. I believe I had uh, three C zone, C zone hits. And, um, and I missed two. And then I, I accidentally shot the wrong target once. That doesn't sound amazing, but it's, it's pretty good. Problem is, I didn't do it fast. 
I mean, that's the name of the game. It's, it's that kind of competition. I could have done it faster, but I didn't want to. It was my first time. And you know what? I wasn't there to, I wasn't there to impress anyone. I wasn't there to, to suddenly be this wonderkind. I wasn't there to, to change the world. I was there to explore the hobby. Shooting, shooting doesn't need me. I was never going to be shooting savior. I was never going to revolutionize anything. I was never going to change the world. And it's hard to show up the first time. It's hard when you don't know the rules, when you don't know the people. It would have been easier to do it with friends. But I don't have any friends who are interested enough to, if they don't already own a pistol, buy a pistol. And if they do, buy the holster, buy the magazine uh, holders, uh, tune their belts, go out, put some rounds down range and, and prepare for something like this, and then leave work early. I was never going to find that. What I did find was those people already there. It's not something you really consider, that there's already a built-in audience, a built-in friend group in the thing that you're going to do. We did what people do. We, we showed up, we shot our matches. And then when we, it came time to, to talk to our friends, the people we developed friendships with, and discuss our performances, we handed out a little bit of advice. I learned some great things. I won't say that uh, from a shooting perspective I could apply all of them, but I'll try. I learned a great money-saving tip. So I'm building a second belt for uh, the other rig that I have so I can shoot two different um, divisions, not at the same match, but just in general, so I don't have to rebuild my belt every time I want to play with the different gun. I think that's reasonably smart and so those those tips are invaluable and these friends these people that i haven't met yet they were they were already there they were in the thing that we were doing and we weren't there to compete with each other we were there with to compete with ourselves all this all this to tell you that i shot well and i shot slowly and that to me it doesn't matter that I'm two-thirds of the way down the list. What matters to me is that next time I'll do better. Not that I'll do better according to the list, but that I'll perform better. That I'll make sure to make those A-zone hits continue to be a part of my regiment, to be the habit. But that next time I'll go faster. I'll be more confident. I'll understand where I'm coming from and where I'm going. I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, and I, I hope you have, if you've listened to the other lessons here about compassion and about positivity, I only assume that you've also heard the lesson about treating people right, about understanding where they're coming from, about understanding that you can both succeed. I feel like it's a distinctly American way of looking at things. We compete so deeply for spots. It happens on the highway. It happens in the grocery store. It happens in the library. If you still go to the library, it happens on Ticketmaster.com. You have to be there first. 
And sometimes there's a reward for it, like in Ticketmaster, you get better seats or access to seats to begin with. But so often, so often, the idea of being behind someone is too much. Today I rode my motorcycle and my wife was riding uh, as a pillion. And, and we got cut off on a couple of occasions and she didn't really agree that we'd been cut off because um, I think she's a little bit less aggressive than I am and that's fine. But to me, I take it very seriously because it's my safety and, and our lives on the road. I look, at, I look at the rule set and I think about what it means to, to be cut off. We talked about it. And to me, if you speed up to take a spot in front of me just to slow down, you've cut me off. This happened in particular in the, in the first situation where we'd been cut off, where a young woman drove on my left side to pass me. There were no other cars behind her. She pulled up past me, immediately darted over right in front of me. I usually leave three or four car lengths between me and the car ahead of me. And then slowed down so she could move over to the next lane over so she could take the exit. She very easily could have just kept her pace behind me and moved over. But she felt the need to get in front of me. Now, it's not to discuss her or how angry I am. But it's really important to kind of look at those behaviors. And how often we find ourselves competing with someone that we don't even know. Just because we feel the need to compete. I look at my scores on practicescore.com, which is where most of these scores for these matches ends up. And I, I, I see where my failings are. And I don't, I don't use failings to mean that I've done something negative, but I mean there are definitely things that I can improve on. I can look at that score and improve on myself. I can look at my score and say, this is where I need to push myself harder. Whereas if I were comparing myself to any of the people above me, I can get the wrong idea. A lot of the people scoring above me had fewer A-zone hits and still more misses, but because they were going faster, they did better. And that's fine. But it's not how I want to play. That's not the game I'm, I've signed up for. It's not, it's not my game. At the end of the day, I am not competing for a Grandmasters tournament or even a B-class tournament. I'm not, I'm not competing in any tournament. And at that point, I would still be competing with myself to put up the, the numbers that I, I would compete with. These are solo runs. I'm not doing anything to counteract someone else's strategy. There's no direct competition. Just me. Why do we assign competition where there is none? How many people are going to look at those scores and take away from them that they should be better than someone else? That they shot better than someone else? That they were faster than someone else? That they needed to 
score better, to feel better. So I guess what I'm saying here is there's an intense amount of negativity, almost said it wrong again, um, generated when people compete with each other. And that's to be expected when it's something adversarial like football. But there's no reason to, to cut in front of me at the grocery store. I actually remember one time when I was walking toward the customer service desk at a Sam's Club that a woman saw me walking there and decided she needed to go there first. I was walking toward the ATM, and so she sprinted to get ahead of me. And I'd never been so embarrassed for someone else before. So I used the ATM. But sometimes it's not as innocuous as that. Sometimes it's, it's negative, it's hurtful. We say things that we don't mean, or worse yet, we mean them. Today, uh, Philip DeFranco addressed someone on the news, I guess somewhere across the internet. I think the gentleman's name is Chris. I'm going to use gentleman in the worst way possible because he went on a huge tirade and, and, and talked about how women are terrible because they don't appreciate him at five feet tall. What a, what a terrible person who is clearly competing against the world. He has a YouTube account and it's full of him taking videos of people and, and saying hateful things in their faces because he's offended by something they said or did or I'm, I'm not even sure. And he says just, just terrible things because he's competing with them in some way, somehow. In the same way that when I was on my motorcycle, that woman cut in front of me she put my life at risk to get ahead of me. When we get competitive, we don't think about what happens to other people. I used to box. I used to train a little bit. I thought maybe, just maybe, I might have the talent for boxing. I knew that there would be a lot of work involved, but there's a spark what I didn't know is that for that spark to be legitimate, you really needed to start at like 12 years old, not 19. I used to box. And I used to compete with other people. It's a, it's a, it's a, a fighting sport. It's a blood sport. And that blood sport, as much as we talk about the spirit of competition... You've gotten into the ring with the idea of hurting someone. You're not attempting to win on points. And some people do, when they can, if they have to. But most people are there to hurt the other guy, to knock him out. And it's not, it's not good for anyone. During my 36 years as a boxing fan... I've had, um, I've had to watch two people die on, on, in the ring on television. It's not something you ever want to watch. As a fan of the sport, you never, you never consider that that's a consequence until it happens. It's just this thing on television where two people wail on each other until one of them can't get up anymore. And if you really give that weight, sometimes the other person doesn't go home. Sometimes that other person doesn't get to say goodbye to their children again. 
or their wife or their parents. Your actions have consequences. You know that. I just assume that if you're listening right now, that you've got the patience to listen to me ramble on and that you're not some eight-year-old child who doesn't understand that actions have consequences. How you interact with other people has meaning. How you decide another person's life is treated has meaning. If you are the type of person who always looks at other people as if they don't exist for the sake of your own convenience, then how can things get better? And I think, I think there's a way to challenge that, that notion. That, that competition is just built in. There are people who are outwardly competitive, and honestly, I would say that the behavior is toxic. People who compete bring out the best in other competitors. But there are some people who can't stop competing. And we look at it as this positive thing. We just say, oh, he's very competitive. It's a, it's a, a way of dismissing a behavior. Oh, well, he's very competitive. And competition is a very positive thing. I know I live in America. We had the 80s. Where do you go with that? Oh, he's, he's still an asshole. You know? He's still so competitive that he feels the need to put other people's lives at risk for something. He'll push people out of the way because he's competitive. He's not a decent human being, and you can't excuse that because he's competitive or she's competitive. We have to look at what we're doing. There's a um, very interesting YouTube dissertation that I, I watched about the nature of, of duality in boxing. In, in a lot of boxers, they channel a second being in the same way we would do with an actor. As an actor, we, we channel a second being, a different person, a character. And we look at people who have a way of, of being those two people. Sugar Ray Leonard had, uh, had two different characters. He had, uh, famously, he said that if he looked in the mirror before a match and he saw Sugar Ray, his boxing persona, that he was absolutely sure that he was going to win the fight. But if he looked in the mirror and he saw Ray looking back at him, that he didn't know how this was going to go. And it came down to the character. He had a ritual that would bring the character out for him. Mike Tyson famously said the same thing about Iron Mike. Mike Tyson was a human being before he became arguably one of the best in the sport. In my mind, one of the best in the sport. A misunderstood human being, one who, who grew up without boundaries, who grew up very tough, who was forged into a boxing deity by boxing royalty, who one day said to him, I wish you were bigger. And Mike Tyson cried, which is just a thought. Like, we look at Mike Tyson as this 
demonic human being because of the actions he's had over his life, the, the, the things, the, the consequences, the things he's done. We look at Mike Tyson as a, as a monster. And behind that monster is, is, a, is a person, one whose feelings could be hurt. And so he created Iron Mike to get past those feelings of inadequacy. There was Mike Tyson, and then there was Iron Mike Tyson. And Iron Mike Tyson was the person he would bring forth to compete. And unfortunately, over time, and he admits to this, Iron Mike became a part of his regular world. And you could see that. You could see that in his, in his actions, in his early fights, where he would, he would hurt someone else. If, he, if Mike Tyson was in the ring with someone, he would hurt them. Because Iron Mike wanted to hurt someone. But at the end of the fight, despite all the brutality, despite all of the violence, Mike Tyson would walk across the ring and say, hey, that was a great fight. Thank you. He was a civil human being. I don't have some clever romantic way of ending this. I'm just... It's something that I'm, I'm introspecting on about the nature of competition. Don't, don't let competition run your life. Don't let it be an addiction that you have to feed. Compete against yourself. Be healthy. Think about others. Be safe. Focus is a Patreon-supported podcast, and, and I want to thank you for listening. Um, I know this one was kind of rambly, and that, that just came because um, I, I had these experiences today that they all felt related, despite being so different. I felt empowered, I guess. And it was, it was a message I wanted to get across, and I didn't know how to. But, but at the same time, I, I think I got there. So thank you for, for sticking by. I want, to, I want to thank Anastasia Weberhausen, Vigilanthe, The White Prince, and Enrique Ramos for continuing to support the podcast because you're keeping the website online and believe it or not, you're, you're um, providing a home to the newest um, branch of the Focus brand, Focus on Front Sight, which will be detailing my, I guess, path as, um, as a, a competition shooter. I guess I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a competitive shooter now. I do that. I've, I've gone to a competition that, by definition, makes me a competitive shooter. I would like to be a professional someday. And so I'm, I'm going to be de detailing that struggle and the things that I do and, and all the techniques I work on, and, and we'll be talking about my equipment. Um, technically speaking, the Patreon won't be supporting that, but it does give a, a, a home to that central area. And the idea isn't that I want you to be dragged into competition shooting because you don't like it or whatever, but it's, it's a good, a good resource. I wanted to build a good re resource for anybody who wanted to start the first time just to play. And maybe it didn't have to be just for that. So we'll talk about that later. Otherwise we have some pretty big changes coming up in the next two weeks. And I hope to keep the podcast going and add another one or two. So thank you for listening. 
If you decide to share this with someone, I hope you do because it meant something to you and not because you think they need to hear that. If there's anything you'd like to address or talk to me about or dispute or argue with me with, you can always find me on the website, focusbycisco.com or email me at ron at focusbycisco.com. Sorry, the audio is a little weird. I got some new equipment that combines three of the pieces of equipment that I had and, uh, and it added like a compressor, which means sometimes my voice is not there when it needs to be. And sometimes the breathing is weird and whatever. I did the best I could, I, I promise. I'll see you when the plot requires it. Thank you so much again for listening. Until next time, be excellent to each other.